Hi, this is Margie Geiler Alanis. This week on Shining Bright, we're celebrating 50 years of women being in the FFA organization, and we're talking to some young women about their ag experiences. Then we'll take it to Peg Armstrong Gustafson, who was Iowa's first female state FFA president and the first national FFA officer candidate on Shining Bright by Farmher, Saturday at noon and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio 147 and the SiriusXM app. Welcome to Shining Bright, the Farmher radio show all about women doing great things. Women who are making the ordinary extraordinary. Women following their passion, taking action, and making a difference for themselves and others. Join me, Margie, as your host on Shining Bright by Farmher. Hello, hello, and welcome to Shining Bright. I am so happy to be here with you. Thank you for tuning in. This is going to be a fun show, you guys. So over the last month, I have been um, working on a project that you're going to find out more about here in the coming weeks. But I, I want to tell you that we've been working to pull together a little bit more uh, images and pictures and uh, focus on young women in this industry. And so today's episode is going to be uh, a couple of those young women There are so many of them. I mean, I could visit a farm with a young woman on it for every day for the rest of my life, and I would never even begin to scratch the surface. So this opportunity popped up to get involved in a a kind of a side project, I guess, over Christmas and um, in an effort to find some more young women that would land on the other side of my camera through Farm Her. Um, I went to the women who attended our Grow event right here in Iowa last November, and we had a little over 400 young women packed in a room at the FFA Enrichment Center in Ankeny, Iowa for our final Grow event, our 20th in a course of five years. And it was awesome. It was amazing. And when I needed to find some young women, uh, I kind of went back to some of those people who had attended that event. And so first up, you are going to head with me to the Moss Farm, which is uh, just west of where I live a little bit. And we're going to be talking to Ella Moss. And one thing I will tell you that I love, love, love about Ella, and this is so indicative of so many young women that I I talk to in this industry who are engaged in FFA. Uh, I emailed Ella. I needed to Uh, visit, I needed to add another farm to visit the very next day. And she emailed me back in like less than five minutes. I emailed her again with some more information. She was right back on it. And you know what? Because she responded to me quickly, that is what made us be able to connect and for her to be able to be a part of this farm here journey. And so I drove out to her farm and I didn't realize this, but I, I, um, when I got there, I pulled up to the shed and the machine shed and went in and in there was her grandpa and her mother. And turns out Ella's mother is a pretty awesome rock and farm her too. She was there in her coveralls. She was just there for a day of work. Her full-time job is on the farm. Uh, she returned to the farm a number of years ago to work with her father. And so that is her all day, every day. And Ella is her daughter. And so I said, Hey, do you want to come with us and be in these pictures? And she didn't say no. And I'm so happy she didn't because it was such a fun experience to get to photograph a mother and a daughter together on their farm. So 
we uh, wandered around their farm a little bit and took some pictures. And then I sprung the uh, shining bright on them. And so we went back into the machine shed and sat there and recorded an episode with the, you know, the farm cats rolling around us. And her grandpa was there and he even jumped on. It's pretty cool. You're, you're going to want to listen to this. Um, but you know, these are just the people. These are the people that are you know, part of agriculture, they're going to find a future in it one way or another, you know, whether it's their full-time job, their part-time job, they're not a job at all, but a hobby. Um, you know, they are the fabric that makes up what this industry looks like and a very important part of it. So, uh, I was proud and happy to be able to share a little bit of Ella's story. And then, uh, I headed over across town, past town, to the other side of uh, the Des Moines metro area here in Iowa, and we went to visit the Johnson sisters. And there are three of them. And guess what? I convinced their mom to jump onto the Sh- Shining Bright uh, show as well while we were there. So these young women, um, their mom is like sixth generation on her family farm. She did not grow up on the farm, but she and her husband realized that they wanted their kids to be able to have a life growing up, um, maybe a little bit different than they did in the city. So they moved back to this uh, century farm and uh, they have figured it out. They are raising animals. Uh, Most of the livestock that they raise are for show, but they do have a little bit of commercial animals as well. And so these girls... Uh, you'll, you'll hear her mom talk about it. You know, this was not the future that she envisioned for her daughters, but they are all very engaged in agriculture. And uh, the oldest, Lydia, she's a senior. And um, she, again, and her sisters came to our grow event and they've made themselves visible. They put themselves out there. And it's such a joy to be able to bring that full circle and to be able to go photograph them with their very cute little lambs that they've got going on out at their farm. But to hear how they've all learned together as a family um, and grown together as a family there on the farm um, with this kind of uh, many generations old, but a new generation experience is a really cool thing. So stay tuned. You're going to love these farm visits that are coming up here on Shining Bright by Farm Her. I am here in a machine shed amongst some large equipment out in Dallas County, Iowa, and I'm here with Ella Moss. Ella, welcome to Shining Bright. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, so, okay, tell me a little bit about yourself, like your background. You grew up on a farm. We're we're here right now, okay? So tell me uh, in the audience just a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, I, um, my mom started farming, um, and that's when it really kicked off for me. I joined FFA, and I was in 4-H, and the community around here is all about ag, and it was really hard not to get caught up in it. Yeah, so did you raise animals? Did you show animals through 4-H and FFA? Tell me a little bit about your experience with that, because you're in college now, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, I um, didn't show any animals. We have Um, some sheep, chickens. It's just like, I call it our little hobby farm. And then we have the seed farm. But um, yeah, in FFA, I was involved in contests, leadership contests, and um, kick butt and some fruit selling, fundraising. 
And um, in 4-H, I loved photography a lot. Yeah, oh, I can. I got that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was in 4-H too, and that's where my photography love started too, okay. which is what I started Farm Her based on was the photos, which is what we're out here doing today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about your progression through that and what you're doing now. Yeah, um, so with FFA, I graduated with the scholarship and I went all the way through 4-H um, and graduated from 4-H and um, I was, I'm still involved with my FFA chapter. I text my ag teacher probably a couple times um, a year still and she, she probably is annoyed by me. But um, yeah, I'm still super involved and... Um, it's like something you don't want to fall out of. Um, I can't wait to be an alum in a, two years and be able to be on the alumni board. Yeah, FFA is is an awesome organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said that your mom started farming. So has this been in like is this like in your blood, right? Like this has been your whole <laughs> life. This is your grandpa right here too yeah. that's sitting here. So we're we're here on your family's farm and yeah. and yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about like some of that inspiration or is it just that it was here and that's it? Yeah. Um, so my grandpa has been farming as long as I've been alive. And, um, we used to come out here as kids to the shop and he'd give us rides on the, um, the forklift and in the tractor, we have pictures of my sister and I in the tractor. And that was the coolest thing. We used to climb up in the green bin in the corn and swim around in the corn. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, once my mom got involved with it, um, it really kicked off for me. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm going to walk over here and I'm going to pull your mom into this conversation too. So can you uh, introduce yourself to our audience? All right. My name is Danello Moss. Awesome. Okay. So obviously Ella just talked about you uh, being uh, kind of that visual thing that helped kick it off for her. Tell me a little bit about your involvement. Like uh, you grew up here. Yeah, I grew up right here and on the farm in Dallas County, Iowa, and we would walk beans and help harvest, and we raised hogs and cattle, and yeah. yeah. And so, have you always known that this is what you wanted to do, or is it just what you've always done? I mean, tell me a little bit about your progression, because Before today, I had met Ella at our GROW event, but I didn't know that her mom was engaged in this as well. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what pulled you into this more. Okay, so yeah, I was raised on the farm, of course, and then I worked at a poultry company for 15 years, and then they went through some changes, and I knew that was the right time for me to come back and uh, start working with Dad, and I gained a whole new skill set. Um, anything from learning to work on hydraulics to learning how to run the computer and the tractor, all, all new field of knowledge. Yeah. And I heard you say earlier that you, uh, run the combine. Obviously it's not harvest. This is, this is winter here in Iowa. There's no grain in the field. It's all hopefully in the bin or moved somewhere down the road. Right. Um, which it is, you guys are done harvesting. I actually spoke to someone last week who just finished like a few weeks before that. So mm-hmm. kind of a crazy year, but so you run the combine and you, uh, pulled Ella into that. Is that right? Yeah. Um, 
Ella was real sweet to bring me some food out to the field. And while she was out there, I needed to eat. So someone had to run the combine. We had to keep it going. So, so pretty, pretty much she was at the driver's seat. And we need the next generation to come and, and start learning how to run the, run the machine and run the farm and grow the farm. Yeah, it is important for sure. And I am a big believer of if, if you can see it, then you can do it, right? Like it makes yeah. it way more approachable when you can see um, somebody who's right there in front of you. Yeah, so sure. yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So Ella, were you like super intimidated when you drove the combine? Um, yeah, I. she just, I gave her her food in her lap and she just stood up and jumped out of the seat and the combine's still moving. <laughs> and I'm like, um... And she said, sit down. And I, so I sat down and she's like, this is the button you push. And she lined me up and she didn't tell me any more than that. And it was time to go. And I was freaking out. I pulled the lever back. I was like, we got to stop. And um, she showed me a few more steps. And then I did a couple passes and it was actually pretty fun. Yeah. I, there's something really exciting about being in a huge piece of machinery, isn't there? Yeah, she just kind of threw me in head first and, and didn't give me a life preserve. <laughs> I feel like that's the best way to do it, though, right? Like how, what, making a plan to do it, it there's way too much like intimidation there, right? Thinking so just about it too much will just cause you to stop and not go forward. Yeah, yeah. Do you have siblings or um, that are engaged in the farm as well, or is this kind of like your more your passion? Um, I my sis, I have a younger sister. She's not really too involved. We were in 4-H together, but um, it for me it was through my friends. Lots of my friends are involved in ag and have ag related jobs or backgrounds. And um, my boyfriend is in the ag background too, and so it was just this whole all these people around me had like faith in the same thing Mm -hmm. and interest in the same thing. So it was really easy for me. Yeah. And it's, again, if you can see it, you can do it. And if the people surrounding you are engaged in it. Okay. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to pull grandpa into this real quick, if that's okay. So what does it mean to you to have your daughter and your granddaughter engaged here on the farm? Well, the next generation is coming on, and, and so it's a transition. Uh, we hope to keep our farm in the family, and this is, this is one way we can do it. Yep. And so tell me a little bit, you, it's, uh, you raise grain here, right? So can you give me a, like, a little bit of the layout of like, the different things that you do here? Is it, is it just corn and soybeans? Uh, we raise corn and soybeans. Uh, we do not rent any farmland, just... The ownership of our farm is what we what is what we farm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I'm guessing it keeps you guys plenty busy year round because here we are, like I said, in January, and we're uh, out here in the shop. So, thank you so much, ladies, for letting me spring this on you. We're out here um, taking some pictures in celebration of 50 years of women in the FFA organization, which um, is a is a huge deal, right? Did you happen to be an FFA? Uh, I, I, no, we didn't have that. FFA at ADM when when I was there. Yeah, um, I wasn't in it either. I was in 4-H, but I love that it's way more accessible to young women your age. Like you didn't feel any intimidation by joining FFA, did you? No, and um, actually, when I started FFA, there wasn't a chapter at ADM, and we were bused to Earlham every day, and so it took two hours out of our day to go there, have class, and come back and. Um, now I got to help charter a brand new chapter and it's still going. So, (laughs) 
Good for you. That is awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, for being here on Shining Bright and sharing your story with our audience. We appreciate it so much. in Bondurant, uh, rural Bondurant, I guess. We're out on a farm and I am here with a dog that you just heard and uh, a whole bunch of sheep that we were just outside with and uh, the women of the Johnson family. So welcome. Let's see if I get this right. Katie, Grace, Bridget, and Lydia. Yep. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's start with actually, Katie, can we start with you? I'd love to hear a little bit about the history of this farm and um, like, cause this is um, a heritage farm. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. 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 Through um, my mom's family, the Maloney family um, came here in 1846. And um, so I am... I think fifth generation. It doesn't Sorry, say generations. <laughs> uh, so um, Lydia told me that you actually grew up in town and then moved back out here um, when you yes. had kids. Is that is that right? To yeah, actually, um, my mom is one of four. So my grandpa lived here the whole time I was growing up, and I grew up in Waterloo. And then um, when my grandpa was going to move out, they rented it for a little while and we're trying to decide what to do with the house. And my husband and I had been married a few years and decided to buy it and move in. So, and then we've raised all three of the girls here. Yeah. So like you became a farming family very yes. quickly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Has it been a learning curve? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what you ladies do here on the farm. Cause, okay. So I know you guys have been to our grow events in the past. So thank you for that. You're wearing farm her shirts today. When I was at your school, not too long ago, you were wearing farm her shirts and that was all exciting. Um, so thank you for the support, but, um, you are farm hers as well. So let's talk a little bit about what you have going on and let's start with you, Lydia. Yeah, so um, I'm the oldest of the three girls. I'm a senior this year um, at Bondurant, and my big thing, my animal per se, has always been sheep. My sisters each like a different animal, but I've always really enjoyed the sheep. And through high school and before that, um, I've gotten really active in 4-H and FFA, so pursuing a lot of those leadership opportunities within those organizations and kind of enjoying every minute that I get to be a part of it. And tell me a little bit about the FFA leadership. Um, I think you mentioned that you are, tell me about what you do in FFA leadership. Yeah, so um, actually, so I'm a student at Bonner for our high school, but we didn't have a chapter my freshman year. So I went to Sally's Polk um, to become an FFA member and take ag education classes. And so with that, I just kind of took it and ran with it and just finished my term at the calendar year as chapter president. Um, and then am currently serving as a district, South Central District Officer as reporter. So I've really enjoyed all of that, facilitating the networking, um, just all the opportunities that come with that. It's so cool, isn't it? I always I love like the connections that FFA makes. So at some point you switch back over to Bondurant though, because you guys have a new program now, right? Yeah, so my two younger sisters, um, they are actually both Bondurant for our FFA members. So they get to have a different chapter on the name, on the back of their jackets. Um, which is super cool. Yeah, I always love it. And and for 
people who maybe aren't around here to give you perspective, Bondurant is uh, a smaller town on the outskirts of Des Moines, which is a larger metropolitan area, I would say. So it's a great thing to have a program at a town like Bondurant. I think it's a great ad there. Okay, so let's jump over to you, Bridget. Why don't you tell me a little bit about where your, uh, you know, your passion lies within agriculture and the animals that you guys have? Well, I am the youngest of the three, and I show pigs. This all started a few years ago when my cousin was, he raises pigs, and he was very uh, persistent about trying to get me to show some pigs. And so I tried it one year and just fell in love with it. And so then for the past few years, I've just been buying, but this year was my first year farrowing my own two gilts. Okay, so that sounds like an experience. Tell me a little bit, like, what's one big thing that you learned through this process? Lots of patience, because the one that did end up farrowing, uh, it was a rough, long process, and so it just taught me lots of patience to sit and stick it through the whole thing. Um, so do you have someone that you lean on for expertise or guidance? Is that your cousin, um, like, as you're figuring this out, you know, going through it? Well, as we went along, we met some friends showing, and so we, they're, they yeah, their name is the Weldons, and so uh, they uh, have very, they, we bought pigs from them last year and we are farrowing the same pigs that we bought from them. And so they've been very helpful throughout the whole process the past few years. It kind of matters to have someone to help learn as you go through that. But for those of you who weren't in the room, which most of you listening weren't in the room, uh, they all exchanged a look. Like we learned a lot as we went through this. There's a, like kind of like a, oh yeah. But um, I actually delivered a baby pig uh, last winter. I went to a, a farm where they had farrowing pigs and they had me deliver one. And that was a really intensely exciting process, huh? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Last but definitely not least, what um, Grace? What do you? What is your uh, area of expertise and kind of where you like to spend your time here? Um, so I'm like the middle child. I'm a sophomore in high school, and I used to show sheep, and I started showing goats um, probably four or five years ago, and it kind of started as a joke. It, we ended up buying some goats from the sale barn, and they ended up being pregnant. So that was, we kind of joked about like keeping them and showing them. I didn't actually think it would happen, but I ended up being the one to show them. I was super excited about that. It was a whole experience that we learned a lot from. We, it was like a blind eye. We didn't know anything that we were doing when we were doing it. So it was kind of chaotic, but I, it definitely felt, I definitely fell in love with the project and uh, this will be my fourth year showing. I have yet to get my goats for this year because I buy them from someone. But this has been a whole experience. I've learned so many things. I've learned how stubborn they can be. And I've learned how difficult some processes may be. And I realize I have to go through those processes to get to my goal. That sounds like great lessons in how the rest of life will go, right? Uh, so, Kate, what does it mean to you to get to raise your daughters here? And they are so engaged in agriculture. They're such a, 4-H is such a part of their, no, I'm sorry, FFA is such a part of their lives. Um, what does it mean to you to kind of get to see them through this experience? 
Um, well, we never really dreamed that they would be into it as much as they are. And their dad really helps them with their projects quite a bit. Um, as well, I mean, I jump in, I help do chores and things, but he helps more with the planning and the doing the vaccines and all that good stuff out in the barn with them. And, um, but no, it's wonderful that we live here and they have the opportunity. So we told them if that's what you want to do, then let's make it happen. You know, we have the space, we have, you know, and we just found the connections for them when they showed an interest. And then we just kept moving forward a little bit more every year. I love it. Okay. So Lydia, you're uh, close to your um, end of school, right? So what are you going to go do next? What What's next in line for you? The million dollar question. Um, So I'm planning to go to Iowa State next year to major in agricultural communications and international agriculture. So just kind of taking the passion that I've had for leadership and um, kind of sharing our story of agriculture, the farmer's story um, with others, because people are just coming more and more disconnected from it. So just kind of that being my end goal is to somehow share the story of agriculture. I love that. There's so many opportunities to do that in, in so many different ways. So good for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you could have never guessed that your daughter would be headed down that path, but it, it's a pretty good one. There's, there's a lot of opportunity out there. And yay for uh, women being a part of FFA, right? Because it sounds like it's really made an impact in all of your lives. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me here into your living room and for letting me follow you around doing chores this afternoon. It's been a fun one. And thank you all for listening here on Shining Bright. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Shining Bright. This is Margie here with you today. And uh, we have an episode about women who have, I, I call it Farm Her First. If you look up that hashtag on Facebook or Instagram, you'll see many times in my journey with Farm Her where I've experienced things for a first time. But these are some really big Farm Her First that we're going to be talking about on this episode today. And here on the phone, I am joined by Peg Armstrong Gustafson. I hope I said your last name right, Peg. Absolutely correct. Wonderful. Well, welcome to Shining Bright. Thank you very much. I am honored to be on the phone with you. Yes. So um, let's just jump right into uh, learning a little bit more about you, Peg. You and I have actually not met in person before, but I found out about you through our Iowa FFA Foundation. And um, they spoke so highly of you and told me about the incredible role that you have played in Iowa FFA and National FFA as well. Um, But let's take it back a little bit before that. Can you tell me about a connection maybe that you had to agriculture growing up uh, and and what what put you into FFA? Sure, I'd be happy to. And I'm, I'm humbled by those kind words. My first exposure was the fact that I grew up on a farm in Northeast Iowa, north of Decorah. And at that time, as we all know, every able-bodied person on the farm helps with the farming operation. So I learned a great deal from my mother and father about farming both crop and animal and uh, the importance of it as a, as a kind of self-contained uh, entrepreneurial environment. And I was inspired by that and I realized that I needed to learn more 
and we had a progressive vocational agriculture instructor by the name of Clayton Wanksness at the uh, North Winnesheke High School, and he encouraged young women, even before they were involved in vocational agriculture and FFA, to take his classes and to also learn more. So that was my foray into the formal education side of vocational agriculture, which was very important. And then the, what I call the laboratory side, which was the Future Farmers of America, which taught you the um, aspects of running a business and an organization, parliamentary procedure and those types of things. And one of the real turning points happened to be with the extension service. Uh, in our class, they were talking about the fact that the Winnesheet County Extension Service was going to do a special program on improving the production of milk uh, in dairy operations, and we had a small dairy operation of 15 cows. I went to that, I listened um, along with my father, and I decided that night that I was going to start the next day running the um, milking operations for our farm and dad agreed to it. And so I started milking cows and becoming more involved with it. So I really owe it to a progressive vocational ag instructor, which we almost always need to thank educators for our epiphanies. And then the other one was the extension program uh, in Winnesheet County. Both very important pieces to the puzzle for anybody involved in agriculture. I, I have learned uh, I was in 4-H and, you know, that that is an extension program, too. And I, I just know, like, you know, sure. having kids introduced to these things is is just amazing. And, and then having those educators that push you or invite you in, right, and, and open their arms into their exactly. classes is huge. Uh, if you don't mind my asking, um, so what year did you first enter into FFA? And I ask because we are at a point where this year is a celebration of uh, 50 years of women in the FFA organization. That is correct. And I can tell you exactly. I was a freshman in high school and it was the fall of 1972. And that is when uh, Dwight Sigmiller, who is an Iowa native and still lives in Iowa and is the head of the Hills Bank, was elected the national FFA president from our teeny tiny FFA chapter. Okay. And he was the fourth in a legacy of four individuals that were national officers back to back, which was an historical first in and of itself. So if you ever want to talk to those four individuals, um, I would highly recommend it. And he was also the person who awarded the first American farmer to a woman, because that would have been the first time that a woman would have been able to receive the American farmer degree after four years being in vocational agriculture FFA. Yeah. And that didn't start until 1969. Yeah. So that, that was the year that I started into FFA was in 1972. And uh, I, I know this, but I would love, I'm, I'm going to introduce it and I'd love for you to talk about it. Uh, so you went on to really, uh, break ground for women in Iowa, especially, but nationally in FFA as well. You were Iowa's first female state president, the first female national officer candidate from Iowa, and the first female national officer elected uh, from Iowa. So you really set the bar and, and broke so many barriers. Um, but can, can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Sure. Thank you very much. And wow, you have done your research. Uh, the first thing with that was that I did become the first state officer. And in the state of Iowa, uh, being a female, that you can do that 
I was actually the first female state officer when I was elected the state reporter in 1975-76. And the president of the organization usually comes out of a previous state officer group. And so then in 1976, I was elected the first state president that was also a female at that point in time. So I served in that capacity, and then I uh, went on in nineteen uh, in the fall of 1977 and ran as a national officer. And yes, was the first female national officer from the state of Iowa, the second female officer ever elected. The previous year, a young woman by the name of Julie Smiley from the state of Washington was elected, but this was the first time that a woman. Um, this was the second time a woman was elected a national officer, but the first time from one of the really um, intense uh, row crop and livestock production states. Yeah, which is is just amazing. And so I, I guess I have to ask, at the time, did you realize that, you know, this is something that people are going to still be talking about, you know, 40 years later down the road? You know, I I. I didn't fully comprehend that. There's no way that an 18, 19, 20-year-old can do that. I had graduated a year early from high school in uh, 1975. So when I was elected in 75 as a state officer, I left high school and I went to college. And all of those types of things were all new, both for my family, because no one in my family had ever gone to college. And it was also new because these were uncharted uh, waters. But I have to say that as I went through each one of those None of it would have been possible without the absolutely total equality-focused individuals who were in places of of influence and leadership who supported me. That was previous national officers like Dwight Sig Miller and um, Tim Burke, who uh, were the two that I had the most close association with who were national officers. People like my ag teachers, Mr. Gerald Barton, who was the state advisor. There were people across the country who didn't see whether you were male, female, or anything else, uh, what your ethnic background was. They just saw young people looking for a career and supported that, all the way to our business partners. One of the greatest mentors I had was Mr. Raleigh Hendrickson, who was the corporate vice president for Pfizer, Inc., and was the president of the ag division of, of Pfizer yes. Pharmaceutical out of New York. And a man by the name of Dr. Owen Newland, who was with uh, Pioneer Hybrid. His father helped found it, and then he went on to leadership. And Owen is still uh, alive and well today and is a continued mentor. And had it not been for those individuals taking a young person I would have never been able to accomplish the things that we did. So I'm humbled by it. But yeah. no, I never thought it would last this long. It's a theme we hear a lot. Those mentors matter. Uh, we're getting ready to head to break. Farmers kicking off a year of eight grow events around the country in 2019 for young women. And they are free for all attendees. Uh, we will be in Manhattan, Kansas, April 2nd, Stillwater, Oklahoma, April 4th, and Columbia, Missouri, April 5th. So head over to farmher.com and get your tickets. Welcome back to Shining Bright. We have got a cool episode of women who've really done some amazing things in the egg industry. And we are talking with Peg Armstrong Gustafson. And she uh, played a real groundbreaking role in 
FFA as the second woman who was put in, a, in who was uh, elected into a national officer position, but the first woman from Iowa, which is near and dear to my heart, of course. And so, Peg, we were talking about uh, your involvement in FFA and uh, those positions as leaders. So, w- when your FFA career started to come to a close, and uh, where did you go from there? I, I always love to hear. Um, I, I think FFA brings so much to the lives and enriches young people so, so, so much. And so I love to hear like where this experience took you. Well, thank you for that. And, and you are so right. And you know that it had an influence in your life as well, since you were a member of a youth organization with the 4-H. As we all know, all of those organizations help young people really identify where their passion areas are and, and help provide tools for them to be able to accomplish their dreams. And Future Farmers of America was mine. And once I finished up being a national officer, I returned back to Iowa State University to complete my education and then went into work after that. I was hired by Pioneer Hybrid to work as their first female uh, product manager uh, for the Central Division. Now, the Central Division at that time included most of the states in the Midwest Um, from Missouri North and over to North and South Dakota and Nebraska and Kansas. Uh, So it was its own seed company, the largest in the world at the time, and it was still a part of uh, Pioneer Hybrid, which was even bigger. But the key point of that was I was the first product manager. They'd never had anyone in that area. They had originally had two women who were in research, so they were very progressive. But uh, uh, Dr. Owen Newland and a man by the name of Robert Dahlberg and uh, were the two individuals who really helped me in my career and took a chance hiring the first woman in that and then supported me through that. And so I was able to experience an absolutely wonderful career at Pioneer Hybrid for 20 years, um, uh, ultimately serving as the uh, global executive vice president for marketing and uh, product development. So uh, I couldn't have asked for anything more wonderful and uh, I owe it all to the vocational agriculture and the future farmers of America. I'm humbled that you're highlighting my career, but the real value of all of these youth organizations are the young men and women all across the country who, who are engaged in their passion areas and contributing because it's at that local level that it matters the most. That's where you can use those skills of leadership, citizenship, servant leadership, and a sense of business and really create a a dynamic economic environment and also a great community environment. So all of those young people who maybe weren't a national officer in the FFA, in my mind, they're the greatest ones because they day in, day out use those skills. And I personally will tell you there isn't a day, and I mean this very sincerely, there is not a day that goes by that I don't use something that I learned in vocational agriculture and uh, what I learned as a member of the Future Farmers of America. I I don't doubt it one bit. I can hear the passion in your voice and I love conversations like this. Um, So I I know you talked about community involvement and um, that, that ground, like on the ground stuff that happens through FFA and in, um, 
reading some about you, you have gone on to really be a solid part of of the community here in central Iowa and beyond um, as it relates to so many different things. I mean, you are, you are engaged and you are involved and you are uh, making a difference for so many people. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you do today and uh, the reason also that you choose to engage yourself in community so heavily? Absolutely. I, I still follow the adage to whom much is given, much is expected. And my parents from day one taught me that you should give more than you take from the world as a whole. And I feel they were very, very wise in um, instilling that kind of value system in our entire family. So as a result of that, um, and also to give thankfulness and gratitude and uh, honor the people who supported me, I believe in paying it forward. So those service uh, and uh, servant leadership things that I've done were yes for me because they were in many passion areas that I thought, but every time I went to those meetings and participated and supported their future goals, I always was remembering the people who helped me get there and, and hope that at some place in there, there may be another individual inspired to pay it forward um, as part of, of their life journey. So the things I'm very involved with are in the area of conservation, human rights. I am really very passionate about climate and climate change. Uh, I uh, believe that we need to make sure that we're keeping a quality of life for people, whether it's for recreational points of view or if it is for them to look at providing additional services to individuals in need. And I, I absolutely love what you're saying, Peg. I just want to jump in right here and talk about a few things sure. that I have heard you talk about that are resonating really deep with me right now. And uh, to start this off, you said, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I love this. You know, we are uh, blessed to live in a country where we are free and we have the freedom to go do whatever we want. And I am a firm believer that all of the opportunity is out there for whoever wants to run after it. Exactly. Um, and much is expected. And you are right. And, and I think giving back and uh, providing something for that next generation and providing a platform for them and providing a jumping block for them is so, so, so important, especially in agriculture, because um, it, it's a constantly changing landscape and it may not always look like a young person who can go back to that family farm. It may have to look different for different young people, or maybe there was never a family farm and they want to get engaged in it. So uh, using what you have and giving back to the world. And I want to talk real quick about a recent GROW event that we had for young women. We just wrapped up our uh, GROW by Farm Her event in Washington, D.C. We had we were overbooked. We had uh, about 130, uh, 140 maybe young women there. And um, it was, these days are meant to inspire, empower, and engage young women in their uh, opportunities and roles in the ag industry. And we had this like super engaged group of young women. And and I'm relating this to what you said, Peg, because yep. um, we, we have so many blessings at Farm Her. And one of the biggest things that we believe in is providing that platform for the next generation and helping connect them. Uh, that's the biggest thing I can see myself helping them is, is understanding that if you have that network, that is power. That, that is power. And that is, that is your safety net. That is everything. 
So finding that network and starting to gain those skills on how to build that network and just the knowledge that you need to do that. So we talk about that a lot at these grow events. And I do want to uh, uh, remind everybody that these events, this is this was the second event that we've had this year, our grow events. We have uh, six more around the country and they're free for young women to attend. And we believe very strongly in the need for these for young women and giving back to the community of agriculture and young women specifically. And so that's why we've made these free. Thank you to our wonderful partners. And um, so this was a great event and these young women connected, they networked. I've heard back from a number of them. Uh, I saw them talking with our mentors while they were there and I know they left with connections. So on that point, um, we do have a few more coming up here soon in Kansas, Oklahoma and Missouri. Tickets are nearly sold out in those states. Go to farmer.com, click the events tab to find more and um, get signed up today. Again, it's free. So that's the first week of April. So Peg, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you and thank you for what you do. You make it possible for others to be inspired and uh, that is a gift in and of itself. So thanks for the opportunity today. Hi, this is Margie geiler Alanis. Next week on Shining Bright, we're diving into a very deep topic centering around safety on the farm. We'll start with Sam Goldberg, who's the producer of the feature-length film Silo on his why and how, and what he hopes we all can learn from his film. Then we'll hear from a farmer who has lived out this horrible tragedy of grain entrapment on Shining Bright by Farmher. I hope you have enjoyed hearing from this variety of women as much as I enjoyed talking to them from Ella Moss, who is, you know, figuring out her place and her way in this farm and her mother and her grandfather right there too, to the Johnson sisters and their mother there on that uh, long running legacy of a family farm who are kind of just, you know, figuring it out their way. And, um, you know, these are strong, smart, awesome young women. And um, FFA uh, has been an important part of all of these women's lives, as you've heard. And, you know, then we jumped over to Peg Armstrong Gustafson, who, um, you know, is an icon, really, as far as women go in FFA. She was the first state officer to be that was a woman here in the state of Iowa and the first national officer candidate who was a woman in the entire organization. And so I know you've heard me talk about it before, but we are celebrating right now uh, through this year, 2020, 50 years of women being able to be a part of FFA. And we've had many episodes already about this. We're going to have more hint, hint, stay tuned. We got some more really cool stuff to celebrate women being a part of this organization and to highlight what uh, some women are doing and just to really shine a light on and celebrate them as we step through this year. But um, thank goodness that women could be a part of FFA. You know, even though it was only 50 years ago, they are making waves across this organization. And I cannot say enough about all the skills and all the lessons and the confidence that is built uh, 
through this organization, through these young women getting to step up and speak out and, uh, you know, let their voices be heard. It's, it's so cool. So from, you know, Ella and Lydia and her sisters to Peg to you name it. I mean, there, there's so many, like I, like I said earlier, I could never begin to tell these stories, um, uh, all of these stories, like it's a lifetime of work for sure. And so, um, I hope you enjoyed those and a preview. Uh, well, what, before preview, one thing I want to remind you about, we partnered up with National FFA in uh, 2019 and we created a shirt and on the shirt, it says courage is contagious, which is something I firmly, firmly believe in. I've experienced it myself in my journey through Farm Her. right? Um, what started as a photo project and I wasn't quite sure of where I was going or what I was doing. You know, you put one foot in front of the other and you take one more step and you take one more step and then you're like, oh, I got this. Oh, wait, well, I screwed that up, but I think I figured out how I could do better again. And you get back up and you fail fast and you move quick and you move forward. And before you know it, like you are courageous. You do have confidence in what you're doing and it just builds on itself. So courage is contagious is something that I firmly, firmly believe in. And I love that message being out there. And so we uh, created these shirts as a Courage is Contagious with National FFA. You can get them on our website at farmher.com. Under the shop tab, there is an FFA collection. And the thing that I want to tell you about those is that we are donating 100% of the net proceeds of that shirt. All, all of the proceeds from that shirt go directly to National FFA. And we are definitely uh, in the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of donations. Um, so if you think you want a Farm Her shirt and you support FFA, now is a great time to go get a t-shirt or a sweatshirt over on our website. Courage is contagious. Spread the message. It's true, you guys. So with that, I'm just going to drop a little bit of news about something that's coming up in the very near future. As you heard me say earlier, we are going to keep celebrating women in this organization that is FFA um, because this this is a big, big year to be able to celebrate that. So whether it is the videos that we have on our YouTube page where you can see women and them talking about what FFA has meant to them, whether it's these podcasts, but but I mentioned that I've gotten involved in a really cool project. It kind of just fell in our lap, you guys. And sometimes, you know, you're running down a path and you're not why, sure why you're running down it, but you you believe in it for some reason. There's some passion behind what you're doing, um, even though you maybe can't describe to other people why you're doing it. And then sometimes things just like work their way back around. So I need you to stay tuned over the next few weeks to our Facebook page, to our Instagram, to the podcast because something cool is coming our way. And I can't say anything more about it. I cannot stand it when people do this to me, but I'm doing it to you right now. Something cool is coming our way as women engage in this industry. Something really, really cool that I'm so proud to be a part of. And I can tell you that uh, these young women are proud to be a part of it. So Stay tuned. If you uh, haven't signed up for our mailing list, you can do that right now at farmher.com. Thanks for listening here on Shining Bright. You've been listening to Shining Bright by Farmher. Be sure to listen Saturdays at noon and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM's Rural Radio 147 and the Sirius XM app. And now, go shine bright.